0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Metal Hammer podcast, episode 128. I am Mo. This is Elle. Hello, Elle. How are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm good, thanks. It's uh, very different to get our weather chat out of the way and done. It's very different to last week.
0: Yeah, it is. uh, It's raining now. It is shit to put a finer thing on it. Um, (laughs) But it's all good. Uh, I basically spent most of my week listening to the new Biffy Clio album, which I didn't think I'd be saying. It might not be relevant to this podcast, but might be a few Biffy fans out there listening.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have no comment on Biffy Clyro. You're not
1: a Biffy fan. I like them. I just didn't, I didn't know you're throwing to me. I thought you were going to elaborate. I'm sorry. I missed your um present fine. Presenter i
0: The visual. I know,
1: I, uh, I'm a Biffy fan. Uh, we were talking about this earlier this week. I went to see them at Manchester Roadhouse in the early 2000s. The Roadhouse is a 200 capacity venue, absolutely tiny. And I waited outside afterwards to meet them. Um, I loved them as a teenager and it's interesting to see where they've gone. They're really kind of like matured and grown and branched out and it's cool.
0: Yeah, they're brilliant bands. I kind of just had checked out of them for a few years because I was never quite into them enough to bother with that double album when it came out so when they did the double album I was like oh I quite like Biffy but not not enough to listen to like two discs in a row and then I just never came back to them but yeah I came back to it this week and uh, I'm actually annoyed that they clashed with Killswitch at Downloads which I didn't think I would be um, so there you go uh, maybe I'll catch the second half or something anyway. anyway anyway enough of that fucking pop indie shit which they obviously are Oh, dear dear me. Uh, we got some metal to talk about. We have a brand new issue of Metal Hammer that is out, uh, depending on when this podcast goes up. It's out Thursday this week, so it's either out now or tomorrow. Uh, But we are very excited about this one. It's one of our biggest issues of the year. We have a world-exclusive brand-new interview with none other than Metallica. Uh, I actually did this interview myself. I talked to the lads about what they've been up to across 2020. Obviously, it's been a strange year for everybody. And uh, the biggest band, in Metal, is no exception to that. But they also talked at length about the emotional impact of James Hetfield going to rehab last year, which, of course, was a massive deal for the band, caused them to cancel a ton of dates. Um, And uh, it put them in an unusual position, really, because they kind of had to like cancel the the kind of, I guess you could call it the victory lap of the hardwired era. They were due to go out to Australia and play these huge shows with Slipknot, all that kind of stuff um and then because of what happened with coronavirus they just never got back on the on the road again so they kind of have had an accidental year and three months off basically by the end of this year uh, and as we've seen they're kind of doing bits and bobs again now they've got the new snm2 release coming out which i talked to them about as well because i did get to go so i've talk to them about that, uh, that was quite did you go way. did you honestly go yeah i don't think i've mentioned it much but yeah i did get to go to that it was quite good uh and yeah talk to them about james as i said and also talk to them about what they've all been up to in lockdown and let's just say that they have been busy and uh you know there could be thoughts being slowly turned around to new music perhaps let's put it that way um yeah pick up the new issue to read that it's out Uh, Thursday this week uh, and it is an absolutely stacked issue of Metal Hammer as well we've got loads of stuff we've got a big feature on motorhead legend Lemmy and the kind of uh, the side of him that you never knew courtesy of one of his very very close friends Uh, we've got a big thing that Jonathan Seltzer Metal Hammer Reviews editor wrote on Imperial Triumphant Uh, we did their new album as album of the week a few weeks back um, one of the most fascinating, exciting bands in the underground right now. Uh, L did some absolutely banging features with Oceans of Slumber. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that new album in a couple of weeks' time as well. Awesome feature with the band about what that's all about. Uh, and you talked to A.A. Williams as well, who's yet another artist that's put out a brilliant album this year. This year is ridiculous, isn't it?
1: Yeah, there's loads of cool stuff coming out and it's really nice to just get excited about stuff. In 2021, there's some stuff not to get excited about stuff. There's also a bunch of stuff to get excited about and Oceans of Slumber coming back. A.A. A. Williams releasing a record are all good things. All good things.
0: And you did mighty fine features on them as well. Uh, we've also got a big piece on Backwash, who is an artist that we did an album of the week piece on a while back. Really, really excited about her. Um, metal rapper, uh, from montreal who's doing really interesting things with hip-hop and trap music and metal and industrial and um, that album uh, god has nothing to do with this was just one of the coolest things to come out this year so we did a big old piece on her we got code orange in the new issue we got a cool thing on cult brazilian Mister mystifier we've got a big thing with inflames we got trivium in the new issue napalm death big piece on avatar which el wrote as well you've been busy el
1: yeah pretty busy pretty busy Uh,
0: so yeah loads and loads and loads of killer stuff in the new issue of Metal Hammer we're very proud of it Um, and as I say every month we really mean it we really really appreciate your support so thank you for continuing to pick up Metal Hammer and support us during these crazy crazy old times Um, you can buy that issue in shops across the UK from Thursday Uh, as I said that's either today or tomorrow depending on when you're listening to this and you'll be able to buy it online and get it straight to your house or flat or whatever, Uh, other abodes are available, from tinyurl.com, tinyurl.com slash piehammer.
1: I got mine delivered to my flat, Merlin.
0: Hooray, I got mine delivered to mine too, my maisonette. (laughs) Uh, God, what's been going on in the world? What's been happening?
1: Well, Linkin Park released a huge hybrid theory, 20th anniversary reissue. Well, it's coming out in October, you can pre-order it now. It's got all the tracks in the original album. It's got unreleased demos, rarities, and B sides. Nice. And I really want it. I keep I, I, I've got like a tab open on my phone of where I clicked on the link from when they tweeted it, and I keep going and looking at it and going, "Can I buy it? You know?" It because it's, good, doesn't it doesn't It's COVID times and money, but oh, Hybrid Theory is one of my all time favorite, absolute personality life changing records. So. So. probably oh i don't know i keep opening it and looking at it so at some point my finger might click on it
0: it looks it looks tops <laughs> yeah i mean i've hybrid theory is one of those um i don't have like a lot of vinyl and i try to keep new purchases to like basically classic albums that i want to pick up to listen to in a slightly different way and hybrid theory is definitely in that bracket and yeah this this box set is pretty tasty And um, what did you think did you get to listen to the the new version of uh she couldn't which was a kind of rare uh, late '90s demo that the band had had kind of floating around the internet for a while.
1: Yeah, it was nice just to sit here and hear it. it made me feel quite emotional actually.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. I really like it. I, lo- I love the kind of almost like Massive Attack vibes of it. Kind of a slightly different ambient, electronicy number from them.
1: Yeah, I found it going right in my head actually after I listened to it as well. Yeah, but they just have such a knack for writing. Linkin Park, and especially at that time, they were just writing. Those hooks, you know.
0: Yeah. But, but also, I think that, that I say new in inverted commas, that track she couldn't. Like, if that if that was a song that the band had, you know, if Chester was still with us, and that was a song the band had literally written and put out this week, I wouldn't listen to it and go, oh, this sounds like a song from 20 years ago. No, I mean, not at all. It's a 20-year-old song they've just put out, and it sounds like it could have been recorded 10 seconds ago.
1: Totally, yeah. I just think what Linkin Park did in the early 2000s, and, you know how they managed to innovate going forward as well was really, really impressive. Whatever era you're a fan of, you know.
0: Definitely. Um, in exciting for L News, Deftones are doing <laughs> big things. things. Um, I think we know a little bit more about uh, what they are doing since they started uh, kind of removing all their avatars on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and putting up black backgrounds. There's some kind of weird code stuff going on on their website. Um, people have clocked that September 25th seems to be... Relevance of what's going on. I think there's some news out there now as well about about exactly what is going on But there's new deftones things happening now. This is exciting.
1: Oh, I can't tell you how excited I am I'm like a hundred thousand percent excited and they've got little teaser videos as well like black grainy Teasery videos with floating words on them and the latest one says no You will never find me. It's just too cool Ooh. It's too cool and spooky.
0: It's going down I uh, should shout out as well, uh, former UFO bassist, Pete Way, who passed away this week, age 69. Uh, Pete was a founding member of the legendary Rockers. Um, I mean, if you're an Iron Maiden fan, you know all about UFO because of that intro. Uh, and he was, of course, a huge inspiration to countless rock and metal musicians, from indeed Steve Harris from Iron Maiden to Nikki Six, who so I think he had something this week. Uh, so yeah, an absolute legend of rock and metal and um, was something of a hellraiser as well in his day. Uh, There's a lot of stuff about Pete over on the Metal Hammer and Classic Rock and Louder websites now if you want to read more about his amazing career and his, uh, quite frankly, crazy life. Uh, Mr. Bungle have a new album coming out as well. The first album in 21 years. It's all going on. Uh, It's called The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny demo. Sure. They just picked words out of a hat, didn't they?
1: I love that title so much. They could not have made a better title. I just love it already so much because it's called The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny Demo. It's so cool. I love bunnies. I love Easter bunnies. I love wrath.
0: We love Mike Patton, who has kind of always been... Really?
1: uh, (laughs) to the point? Mike Patton. <laughs> Mike fucking Patton. Yeah. And the
0: the band's this is coming out in October, this album, and the band's core trio of Mike Patton, Trace Bruins, and Trevor Dunn are gonna be joined by Dave Lombardo and Scott Ian. So, so Mr. Bungle suddenly become like
1: Metal kind of Metal a proper,
0: yeah, metal supergroup, basically.
1: Yeah. And it's really cool. Like I remember when Mr. Bungle were active years ago. I wasn't really old enough and into heavy music enough. I just didn't really get it. And so it's nice now to be in a place where I do get it more, and it's exciting. Yeah, definitely. I
0: mean, um, obviously, it's a different, you know, setup of personnel. But that last "Faith No More" album was really, really good, and just kind of generally received as a triumphant comeback. So, and you know, and you look at some of the stuff that, like, the likes of Scotty and who I've been involved in over the last few years. Like, these are very much artists that still have a lot to to give us. And Mr. Bungle were always one of the most unique names in rock music and it's just going to be very interesting to hear what they have for us in 2020 because i mean fuck knows what's going to happen <laughs> like i don't know what to expect from that band
1: i want to see the artwork has any artwork been released
0: <laughs> i don't know actually do a little uh, do a little google and find out while i'm introducing the album of the week okay. uh, <laughs> speaking of kind of supergroups, in fact. This is kind of a bit of a supergroup, I reckon. Uh, this week's album of the week is the debut album by a band called Kill The Lights. The album is called The Sinner, uh, and it kind of seems to be anchored um, by former Bullet For My Valentine drummer Moose, uh, who's in this band, alongside some other names from around the metal scene. Uh, also in this band are James Clark from Throw The Fight, Jordan Wheelan from Still Remains, Travis Montgomery from Threat Signal, and Davey Richmond from Glamour of the Kill. Um, the Government of the Kill thing interested me because there were some little things I picked up on with some of the uh, kind of more anthemic uh chorus-y bits in this that did kind of remind me of that kind of thing. Uh, and then I saw that Davey was in the band, so I thought that was quite interesting. Um, but yeah, I won't lie. On the face of it, uh, kind of a, su- a metal supergroup, quote-unquote, anchored by moves from for Valentine, doesn't instantly make me go oh my god i have to hear this right now it's going to be the most incredible boundary pushing thing in the world ever um and it isn't that but i like this album a lot more than i thought i was going to what did you think of the sinner l
1: i thought it was interesting because you can tell all the influences of the band members like you can hear yeah what i mean is you can hear the sounds that they've brought from their own bands and it's especially got the sort of bullet for my Valentine DNA, but with the thrash part of it turned up a little bit more and you hear it. And they've actually said in their press release that they wanted it to appeal to people age 15 to 50 basically. And to me, it does sound somewhere between the kind of, uh, 10 years ago era of metalcore, And the kind of modern stuff that people are putting out now that is traditional metal with modern production. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, you listen to it and it sounds familiar, kind of like you've heard it before, um, you know, with sort of sparks of kind of bullet bits coming out of here and there. Um, But then it also does sound in the realm of things that we discuss regularly on the podcast, like the new Trivium record or the new whatever. Like it sounds like it was made in 2020, but it's got that old familiar sort of, Um, feel to it where as soon as you listen to it you kind of feel at home you're like yeah this is metal this is the kind of music I like to listen to I could be watching this at a festival I could be listening to this at a barbecue in a back garden I could be putting this on while I'm around the house it feels very comfortable and I don't mean that to sound like necessarily a bad thing Um, it's not a kind of crazy weird experimental record it's a solid comfortable metal record that will kind of appeal to people across the metal spectrum.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you mentioned Trivium, and that was the 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 band that just kept coming to mind again and again and again. And I do think it is because Trivium have just so perfect perfectly nailed uh, the art of, like you were saying, bringing heavy making heavy metal or making just metal, but making it in a way that sounds like it belongs here and now. It's got that heavy metal DNA, but it's just structured and produced in a way that just makes it sound really vibrant and fresh. Um, and there's a lot of that kind of stuff on here for sure. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely big uh but if Valentine moments I, I kind of feel like the more ballady moments on this album.
1: Yeah I'm I really Remember me of tracks that. like
0: Hearts Burst Into Fire and those kind of songs. Tears um, Don't
1: Fall. <laughs> Tears Don't
0: Fall, yeah exactly. Um yeah like Through the Night is one of those. Um where's the other power about like uh, Rest is another one that's like that. Uh, Tear Me Apart as well. Tear Me Apart almost has like a little bit of a, like when Five Finger Death Punch do the ballad thing as well. Like it's th- a ballad, but it's metal and it's still a bit stompy.
1: It starts off proper croony though, that one does. I was like, this is, you know, this is something that Bullet might do, you know. Definitely.
0: Um, and yeah, like lots of trivium DMA as well. The face, the Faceless, I thought was really tri- um, trivia me. What interested me about the Glamour of the Kill thing is because uh, for the track The Faceless, I couldn't quite work out what kind of band I was trying to think of when I listened to the chorus because it sounded like kind of almost like a bit kind of glammy, like sing along kind of thing. And I actually wrote down Black Veil Brides, but I thought they're such kind of a like people use that as such a negative connotation, but I didn't really mean it like that. And then when I saw that one of them was in Glamour of the Kill, I was like, okay,
1: there we go. I kind of see where that all fits in now. Um, Plagues was a bit machine head. That's quite kind of stumpy. And um, that's actually about the singers battle with cancer james clark who had he had cancer 10 years ago and he sort of talks a bit about that again in sort of the press material that came with the record Mm. um so i wasn't really surprised to read that it had um a heavy theme behind it because that was one that really stood out as being quite heavy and quite machine heady in the guitars Mm. but machine head light maybe you know it's not full-on machine head it's just kind of machine head light
0: well it's funny because it kind of sounds like the machine head track um i forgot what the stop the bleeding you know when i said that new machine track stop the bleeding sounds a bit like burning fire valentine i kind of feel like this is it's like they kind of both <laughs> both these bands have just met in the middle all of a sudden but they were like playing the same music it's weird next there'll
1: be a collab
0: <laughs> Yay. um so yeah like you know this is a, this is a fun album i mean sophie morgan all right i gave it a, a really um you know stellar write-up in the latest issue um and i can and i can see why because i kind of think if you are uh if you just want like a good, simple, no-nonsense, fun, um, sometimes hard-hitting, sometimes big, soppy ballady kind of metal album, then this ticks all the boxes for that. And for that, I think it does a fine job, and I think it you know, it fits, it fits, uh, it fits in quite neatly to what it's trying to do. Um, in a world where I, th- I think the prob- honestly, I don't want to keep beating the same fucking drum, but I think the problem with every band that is kind of doing like just metal. Is that Trivium have just completely sewn it up this year, and I just can't see any band trying to do that style of modern metal better than they have. Because I honestly think, I mean, we said a few, I said a few weeks ago, like if I was giving someone a, a metal album from the last ten years, I'd probably give them um, what the Dead Men say. Because I just think Trivium have totally perfected this, and so anything else in comparison is going to sound just not quite as good. But that's not to take away from this Kill the Lights album because I do think it has some quite good bits on it I think the first track Shed My Skin is cool that's big, riffy groove heavy kind of again a bit of a Machine Head vibe going on in some of those bits Um, and it's very catchy and there's a lot of kind of big kind of defiant lyrics that are obviously made for big crowds like I'm here to watch you fall the world has had enough all these kind of things again kind of like almost like the Ivan Ivan Moody school of (laughs) lyric writing where it's just like big easy to remember hooks that just get buried in your brain um, so yeah, it's a fun album. It's it's a it's a it definitely ticks the box if you're just looking for like a, a really simple no nonsense modern metal album to stick on. Um, I'll be it sounds like the kind of thing that could do well in America, unlike those kind of big rock radio kind of. Uh, I think so
1: too. I was going to say that I definitely like American radio rock, and I don't think you're going to be convinced if you were never really into kind of like some of the turn of the century metal bands and Bullet for My Valentine you might just be convinced by this it might have it might be slightly thrashier and slightly more modern to bring you in but i think it's probably more for people that have been into the kind of the last 20 years of stuff yeah
0: sure i mean i think i think for what it's worth i think this album is certainly better than the last bullet for a valentine album if that means anything so i do
1: as well yeah i do it's it sounds more kind of In a way, it sounds more consistent with what they were doing when they came out and what that would be like if they'd carried on rather than kind of changing their sound a few times on a few records.
0: Yeah, like if you were disappointed with, um, I can't remember what the last album was called, but when they kind of, they went proper heavy again with Venom and then they kind of just veered off into that weird alt-rock thing on the last album. If you're hoping that they'll kind of stick to, like I said, what they do best, uh, you should definitely check this album out because I think it will definitely uh, tick some boxes for you. Um, So yeah, the band is Kill the Lights. The album is called The Sinner. It's out this Friday. Uh, some other cool stuff out this Friday as well. New Blues Pills release. They're a pretty cool band. New Incantation release as well, if you want some of the serious stuff. Uh, so yeah, lots and lots going on for sure. Um, let's do some reader questions, shall we? From facebook.com slash Metal Readers. Would you like to ask the first one, L? have got an answer for this. <laughs>
1: Troy Travathan asks when will Parkway Drive release Viva the Underdogs on DVD and Blu-ray?
0: We don't know next, <laughs> <laughs> sorry Troy no idea hopefully we are soon
1: we're not privy to that information um, I've not done my metal homework this week so um, I'm a bit worried about answering these questions but I'm going to make it up as I go along are you uh, going to ask the be. next one or shall I? Uh,
0: why don't you ask it because it sounds like you've got less to talk with after <laughs>
1: Throwing me a little bone. Noel Rattigan asks, apart from the number of the beast, how many other albums in history have an unquestionably superior second half of an album, brackets, side two on a vinyl, than the first half in track order, as most albums are generally front loaded?
0: It's a good question. Um, And I'm not, I'm not totally, uh, no, hold on. Actually, yeah, Number of the Beast definitely does have an unquestionably, it is an unquestionably better second half, I guess. But it's not, yeah, if, if, what I'm talking about definitely is it's Number of the Beast, Run to the Hills, and Hallow Be Their Name on one side. That's ridiculous. But I fucking loved you Under the Dam, and I love The Prisoner, and I love Acacia Avenue as well. But yeah, no, he's right. That is probably the best, that might even be a best, better example than anything that came to mind for me. Um, the first one that kind of came to mind that quite a lot of people talk about is Back in Black, uh, because even though it's an album that, is just pure certified classics all the way through and i mean if the second half starts with the song back in black and then has you shoot me all night long um and you know has have a drink on me rock and roll like noise pollution like i think it's hard to argue that that second half of that album is at least mildly superior um for me um and then another one that came to mind for me was uh, my favourite dance album of all time, which is Music for the Jilted Generation by The Prodigy. Um, so again, this is an album for which I don't think there is a bad moment on, let alone a bad run. But you get up to about halfway through and you've got like Breaking Into Their Law, Voodoo People, big, big songs. But then on the second half, you've got Poison, Followed by No Good Start the Dance, which is insane, and you've got One Love, which is a great track as well. And then you've got the Skyline Suite, uh, sorry, the Narcotic Suite, which is the three kind of more ambient tracks at the end, which no one ever really talks about with the Prodigy. But I absolutely love that segment, and for me, it it elevates that half of the album above the first half. Um, but again, you're splitting nine and ten here, really. So, what about you, Al? Did anything come to
1: mind? I'm going to choose Toxicity by System of a Down. Oh nice. I had that down too actually. Uh and only just because Chop Series track six, there are fourteen tracks. Um and in the first half you've got Prison Chong Prison Song and Chop Series, which are really good. Um but then after that you've got Bounce, Toxicity, Psycho, Aerials. Like there are some really good tracks in there.
0: Insane. Science, yeah, Forest is in the second half.
1: Yeah. There's just l- loads of really good songs and that's my favorite system of a damn record as well i think it's just the best system of a damn record
0: literally and one of the greatest albums ever made in my opinion yeah
1: i just remember driving around not me driving but one of my mates driving us around in the car and us all in the back of the car and he had one of those bass amps in the boot that i, I hate now because they're too loud and we would just listen to light like, system of a down and drive around with the windows down and so yeah it's a good second half
0: i think that is a fine choice uh sam gore says death metal or blackmail you one you get to keep the other gets permanently erased which do you choose and why fucking hell that's hard
1: it's a pretty brutal question isn't it yeah um because i will be
0: responsible for either genre disappearing
1: the thing is if the whole genre disappears it's like um when you go back and change something in time right so then all the knock-on effects of those genres go away as well yeah. So um I guess in the case of black metal, some people would come back to life and some churches would come back. So there is that.
0: <laughs> I didn't even think of that.
1: <laughs> but yeah, this is a really hard one. Um and based on the fact that if you change if you erase one, then the future changes. I chose to keep death metal just because I think it's influenced more of my favorite contemporary artists. I love melodic death metal and just some of the more modern bands that have just been so influenced by death metal. And I wouldn't want all of that to go away as well as death metal, but I'm kind of sad to lose the darkness and the aesthetics of black metal because it was such a unique scene that came out. Um, you know, if we're talking about sort of the second wave and mayhem and the darkness and the aesthetics in that section of metal where you've got all the forests and the landscapes and the freezing moon and, that kind of thing like it's not i wouldn't say black metal was particularly my favorite part of metal but it's unquestionably changed the metal landscape and you know a lot there's a lot to do with that aesthetics and mood so i'm gonna choose death metal but i'm kind of sad to lose the dark side
0: yeah i kind of feel like you could argue that black metal has been more important for metal's overall aesthetic yeah um you know like black i mean Look there were the,
1: other people doing it like they were obviously like before black metal There were other people doing like metally things but yeah just,
0: but it, it kind of took us to the next level i mean you look at the hoo-ha around taylor swift's new album cover do you know what i mean like
1: yeah
0: death metal doesn't really have the same i think pop culture footprint that black metal has i think people don't no, really agree with yeah. how much it, i mean uh yeah it's crazy but that all said for my personal taste it's death metal I love a lot of black metal as well I'd be very sad in particular To lose a lot of the kind of post-black stuff That I listen to Um, I guess I'd have to lose Dimmu and Cradle of Filth And bands like that as well Which would suck But death metal for me is like Because that alone encompasses All of melodic death metal Which is one of my favourite genres And that whole scene Directly impacted Fucking hell Basically the 21st century Like Trivium Killswitch All those bands um and so if that meant all those were gone as well my life would be a very empty place so I'm definitely keeping death metal as well that's exactly
1: how I felt and also just because you know in our current issue we've got a feature about um Brazilian metal and um the sort of roots of that and there, there was kind of I don't know there was that I'm trying to think now I'm trying to think of what was before black metal in terms of aesthetics and what we can kind of save from this erasion well we'll
0: still get quartz paint because we had kiss and king diamond so quartz paint stays
1: yeah that's true and then yeah um
0: and we get like kind of you know priest will have still done the the studs and leather stuff so we can still keep like spiky bracelets and shit that's
1: totally true because i was going to go with um mystifier who have just done a feature on, and think oh they was doing it but they were i'm trying to think what bands they were influenced now i think that was early black metal sadly so that might have gone
0: yeah they'd be struggling to escape your uh your black, black genocide <laughs> <laughs> which in itself sounds like a song title
1: but yeah it's, in, it's an interesting thought experiment if we you know we had i'd love to just be a crazy person have a wall of my house with one of those black metal trees on them you know just like all the different branches going out um it'd be interesting to kind of like then erase all the branches and see like what you'd be left with
0: i i thought you were going to say like have like a crystal ball or something have you seen that episode of futurama where they find out like the professor has a machine that shows them alternate realities if certain things had not happened and all that kind of stuff i'd love to have one of them although it might make you sad if you looked into it and your life was better so
1: i definitely think that would be really difficult it's like Fred Dwarf when um, there's a different version of Rimmer who's like everything he ever wanted to be. Yeah. He's just like the absolute total alpha male that everyone really loves and respects and real Rimmer is just like a weak shadow. It'd be like that. You'd be like, oh shit, that was the person I always wanted to be.
0: Or like all the Rick and Mortys.
1: Yeah. Oh, I forgot all about those. Rick Sanchez. So many Mortys.
0: So good. Um... Alistair Belling asks, oh, I love this question. Thank you for this. Uh, if Metallica or Maiden did a post-black album only set list. So if if Metallica did a set list made up of only albums post-black album, uh, and if Iron Maiden did a set list only of post-2000 uh, tracks, what would the set list be? This is a fucking dream for me, getting to pick my dream post-Black Album Metallica and post-2000 um, Maiden Set List. Happy days.
1: Um, well, I didn't do my homework, so this is going to be <laughs> difficult for me. But um, Metallica, it looks like they're currently opening with Hardwired and they're currently closing. One of the encores is Spit Out of the Bone. So there, there's some stuff that's like crept in there. I'd quite like to see them open with Spit Out of the Bone. And by that logic, then you could slot hardwired into, like, the um, encore slot. You could flip them. And then Closer, I'd probably have Fuel because I just really love that song. No matter what people say about it, it's really high energy. That'd be quite a cool Closer. And then I guess, I don't know about other songs for the encore, maybe sticking, like, Moth Into The Flame, Um, Cyanide, maybe. Don't know, I've not... (laughs) Not entirely thought this through and I've not done a Maiden one at all. Uh, Can
0: allow me to take a look here.
1: Brave New World, like all the songs from there. I don't I'm,
0: know. I won't complain about that. I mean, the thing is, Maiden have actually done this when they did Sonosphere in 2010. So I guess that whole European tour, they did a set list that was like 80% 2000 stuff, which I loved because I got into Maiden on Brave New World. It's probably still my favorite Iron Maiden album. Um, but I didn't see them on Brave New World. I saw them in Dance of Death, and they actually dropped most of the Brave New World tracks from that set list. So they weren't playing a lot of them all the times I got to see them. Uh, so when they brought back like Wicker Man, Blood Brothers, Brave New World, I was so happy, and they were playing like more stuff with Dance of Death and all this other stuff. It was a really weird set list to decide to do, but I was really happy they did it. Um, but they were New some. This
1: good, uh, you know. As somebody who's less into Maiden than you are, it's a really good record, isn't it?
0: It's just tops. I mean, it makes up a lot of my maiden set list. Um, And yeah, Metallica, I would, like I can say without a shadow of a doubt, if I had a choice of Metallica doing a set list that was only made up of post-Black Album or was only made up of pre-Black Album, I don't care how many metal cred points I lose for this, I would want a post-Black Album set list because there's so much good shit that they hardly ever touch anymore. Um, So yeah, here's my maiden set list. Uh, the only big problem I found with both of these is that modern day Metallica, certainly in the Lode era uh, and modern day Maiden, their songs get more like expansive and weighty and kind of epic. And so I found it quite hard to pace them because I'm getting like five, eight minute songs in a row and stuff like that.
1: I thought that as well, actually, because if you're thinking of an opener, that's got to be quite hard hitting unless you're a band that does like a mental stage show and you have something really creepy like Ramstein or whatever and then your closer has got to be something where you finish and you're like oh I've closed it with a bang and then your encore has got to be oh there's still some more excitement you're kind of looking at quite high energy songs for all of it really aren't you
0: yeah definitely um and it's quite a hard thing to kind of keep going but I think I've done an okay job of doing that uh so let me just
1: hit us with your choices Merlin
0: show me what you got (laughs) um so yeah for Maiden If you're doing a post-2000 Maiden set list and you're not opening with Wicker Man, you're an idiot. Get get a hold of yourself. Uh, Then second to that, Rainmaker, which I think really flows nicely because that is actually the second track on um, Dance of Death as well. Kind of keeping up the pace with The Mercenary off of Brave New World. So you've got three quite kind of fast, uh, kind of simpler Maiden songs. Um, Then we go, we drop the first big, big epic. I'm dropping the Red and the Black. All 11 minutes of it, or whatever the fuck it is. Four songs in, no messing around. One of the greatest main songs ever. Um, after that, you're going to need a palate cleanser. So I'm going to drop Montsagur off of um, Dance of Death, which is, they never fucking play. And it's such a good track. I don't know why they play it. It's so fast and heavy. Uh, some nice kind of epic ones that aren't too over the top. So you've got Blood Brothers up next. Then we got uh, The Talisman off of um, Final Frontier, another very underrated track followed by another Final Frontier track in Coming Home. So you've got quite a good little epic run there. Uh, Then kind of um, a slightly quicker, more straight ahead Maiden one with These Colors Don't Run, uh, before the second big fucking epic track, Passchendaele, drops right there. Um, For me, the best post-2000 Maiden track literally would make my top five main tracks of all time. absolutely love it. Uh, And then it's all just epics, really, because then it goes into If Eternity Should Fail, which is... Still quite an epic track, even though it's an album opener, technically speaking. Into No More Lies, which is a big, simplistic, heavy banger. Um, and then two big, big songs in the form of the Book of Souls, uh, and then you have that kind of the Book of Souls ending. It all simmers down, and then it goes into Out of the Silent Planet of Brave New World, which I've never seen them play, and I absolutely love
1: that song. I like that song.
0: Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And I think it would just be cool the way that, the way Book of Souls kind of doesn't fade out but it kind of simmers down and then to kick straight into that i think it would be a really good good uh segue and then for my encore you need something big and fast to start with so i've got different worlds off of um uh a matter of life and death um and then uh after that i have no wait Is different world of life and death hold on a minute i'm just confused myself Yeah, it is a matter of life and death. Cool. Uh, So yeah, different world to start the encore. Then for the greater good of God, massive song, another matter of life and death song. They played that on the Legacy of the Beast tour and it was spectacular. So I'll have that in there. And then the thin line between love and hate to finish it off, to finish it off in like a nice emotional kind of like, we all love each other kind of thing, which I'd like very much. So that's my maiden set list. Uh, My Metallica set list. Fucking hell. This was actually, I actually found this even harder. because there's so much load stuff I want to play, but I don't want it to be too overbalanced. So start with Ain't My Bitch, which I think is a cracking way to start a set. Um, I'd just punch everyone next to me in excitement if they played that song live. Uh, followed up by Fuel, which is just, again, a really good way to keep the momentum going. Straight into the Memory Remains for that kind of big sing-along. Again, just kind of not quite the same pace, but still keeping that kind of like big, big anthem uh, vibe going. And uh, then slow it down into a slightly stompier number with King Nothing off of load. Then into Bleeding Me, which is my favorite post-90s Metallica song. Just fucking love that track. Absolutely epic. Need to speed it up again after that. So moth into Flame into until it sleeps. Uh, then I've got Hero of the Day in here for a fun little kind of country like play along. Be quite a good laugh um and then saint anger because it's a fucking tune i don't care what people say so i'll drop that in just to kind of again add a bit more pace back into proceedings uh then i've got the day that never comes which kind of has to get played for post black Metallica. uh then i got two by four another load cut then i've got one of the best metallica songs ever i disappear which uh they hardly ever play i got to see them play it once and i absolutely lost my shit um and then it's the first of two covers because i've got to have garaging represented so i've got it's electric into the unforgiven two and then finishing the main bit of the set with the outlaw torn which is obviously one of the most epic metallica songs ever um, and then i changed this right at the last minute when you mentioned hardwire because i thought you know what Hardwire is such a good track and it's so cool the way they go into it with the backing track and stuff so i actually would have that open up my um encore as well into another cover in sabra Kadabra. And then I'd finish with Halo on fire. So the last thing you get is that kind of woo -woo
1: -woo thing. I'd actually forgotten that that was even a song that they did.
0: It's such a good song.
1: Hearing you describe those two sets now, I just want to go and watch them. And I'm also really sad that I didn't do my homework. But you should make playlists of those.
0: Uh, Maybe I will. Although, what What am I trying to say? What I would definitely (laughs) recommend. (laughs) I'm very excited. What I would definitely uh, recommend though is go check out some of the Metallica Monday. Things because there are some fucking great ones from the '90s that play loads of mad stuff, Um, and it's just really cool seeing short hair, nice Jason Newstead just banging his head into the front row and stuff. Absolutely love it. And if you're, if that's got you as excited about Metallica as it has me, you should go pick our new issue up because it's all about them.
1: Yeah, it all ties together in the big circle of life. (laughs) It all ties
0: together. Fucking, I've just talked a lot. You talk. What's the next question?
1: Joe Bambrick asks, which bands do you think would have had the potential to make it to much bigger stages had they not broken up? I reckon Baptised in Blood could have gone much further.
0: Not to be rude, but could they have?
1: I mean, I don't know anything about Baptised in Blood. Sorry, handing my metal card. I literally they are
0: fucking great, great bands, great thrash metal bands, but... Um I do think there's a bit of a glass ceiling for modern thrash bands. The only ones that I make an exception to that is um, uh, Power Trip because I feel like they kind of plugged into slightly different crowds and it's kind of elevated them a little bit. But um, I mean, yeah, they're a fucking great band. It would have been cool to see them go a bit further. When you look at the likes of Evile, who had a moment, um, thin. and Municipal Waste, of course, they've always done really well. Yeah, maybe about But I Blood could have done better. I'm probably being a bit um, dismissive there. Uh, the three bands I put, the first one that came to mind was Let Live. But
1: oh, I love Let Live.
0: I love Let Live. And I'm, as as much as Fever 333 are cool, like we had Jason on the cover last month, um, I do miss Let Live. I do think they were, on records, a better band overall. But... Fever 3C3 have unquestionably got bigger in their short time together than Let Live did. So maybe Let Live isn't a very sensible answer.
1: Yeah, I feel like he, with Let Live, it's a more, uh, the sound is more accessible and the message is more of it. And so I think it is sort of more of what he wanted to do and be more neatly packaged for consumption. That's not to take away the depth of it, of course, but mm. I definitely think it has, yeah, it's already got them further and I think it has more mass appeal. Yeah,
0: which is annoying because Let Live, just so good. Um, I also put, so this is a bit of a, again, they probably couldn't have gone much further, but I'm still really gutted that Wilson never made it big because I do think that that first album um, and the kind of live shows they were doing during that album cycle had the potential for them to be a really fucking big deal. Like, I could see them supporting the likes of... Andy WK or every time i die or cancer bats and just really like um making a big impact on that scene but then they kind of went a bit more like hard rock on the next album and i just think that totally killed their momentum and they just suddenly i didn't really feel like they fit anywhere and it didn't really work for them so i do kind of understand why that didn't work the other one and if rumblings are to be, to be believed it could still be uh, to be continued um is patishka because mm. they were all set to be like the next big breakout band from the underground. And then it all just went, well, <laughs> I still don't quite understand exactly what happened to be honest, but.
1: What a sound effect. Well, we tried to dig into it, didn't we? And then one part of the band were happy to speak and the other part weren't. And then it all went a bit weird. It all went um, a bit weird. It went a bit weird. Uh, my answer is Black Sabbath. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you actually made me go what for a second? Then. <laughs> That's a potential.
1: Um, I don't know. It's a funny one. This uh, again, a <laughs> slap on the wrist for me for not doing my homework. But offhand, the band that comes to mind for me is Ocean Size. Um, mm. but I think the problem was they were almost ahead of their time. They were doing stuff that was so interesting, and we talked about a biffy earlier, and actually Ocean Size were coming up at a similar time. And again, I said I saw Biffy and Manchester and Ocean Size were a Manchester band. So I was kind of getting into both of them and sort of um inter- I interviewed Ocean Size as well around that time. And I just thought they were going to be um a bigger band than they were because they really had the talent to push it forward and um the confidence. And it just feels like there was a time, like a mismatched timing moment or something. And then um, Mike from Ocean Size actually ended up playing guitar in Biffy Choir and he's one of their touring members. Um, and so that, yeah, that's just quite a strange one. I just think they're such a great band. and I just feel like they're slightly too ahead of their time. And if they hadn't broken up, I'm not sure where they'd be now, whether they'd have kind of stayed the same or, or not. Um, and I really don't know a lot about kind of their internal workings and, uh, the reasons behind all of that, but maybe slightly out of time, maybe not. But anyway, go listen to them because they were
0: good. They were cool. I've got I think I went to one of their last shows in in London because um I had a friend who uh who was really into them and I'm pretty sure we went to see them together. Um I forgot about that man. They were a cool band. Um final question, vital question and one that I definitely am in the mood for on this miserable rainy day. Uh Scott Sitample asks, what's your favourite Sunday roast?
1: mine is a chicken sunday roast and i used to be a vegetarian but i'm not anymore for boring health reasons and um i like chicken so there you go that wasn't
0: the boring be, health reason that was like an additional
1: thing <laughs> it would be it would be chicken and a yorkshire pudding and i would like some parsnips roasted in honey and Whoa. i would like some stuffing maybe with the turkey and some pigs in blankets and what well, else just hold on
0: to? you've just you just sidled into christmas dinner there because did was, i say turkey by accident i meant chicken yeah because you, you, you just went it's chicken and then you started going and then pig in blankets and stuffing in the turkey yeah
1: when often when you have roasts like if you like not growing up, but like if you go to like a pub and have a roast, it will often come with like a couple of pigs and blankets and things.
0: Oh, I wish. And
1: Maybe like a bowl of stuffing.
0: Yeah, stuffing. Stuffing should always be there, I think, for sure. Yeah, uh, it doesn't I, take I, much I, to shove
1: do... in a few pigs and blankets, does it? it? Keeps everyone happy. Very. Yeah.
0: Um, I too am a lapsed uh, vegetarian, which is pathetic, and I keep telling myself I'm going to get back on that train at some point. But the roast that I do always have when I go to my local, which is the Fishery Inn in Himmel Hempstead other pubs are available but it's a fucking good one um i i, I do always have the nut roast there because it is so delicious it's got like cheese and um oh i can't remember what the
1: other main thing in it
0: is now so you know like in chestnut and uh, peppers nuts. nuts no it doesn't it doesn't taste like a nut roast it just it just tastes like this gorgeous like christmasy oh it's so good it's so good i might have to get once again soon now that the pubs are open again um, oh, i just love it
1: when you get a massive yorkshire pudding it's so good oh, yeah you
0: can't fuck with the yorkie i still never had one of those yorkshire pudding wraps that they do in london that They do oh in london. yeah
1: yeah yeah because i went to a pub didn't i um in days before covid and i had a wrap so it's like a sandwich wrap except that the bread is yorkshire pudding and so then there's filling wraps inside the yorkshire pudding it was really good
0: that is proper that is 10
1: out of 10 would eat again
0: oh i'm hungry now Uh, let's end it all there. Don't forget the new issue of Metal Hammer is out this week is with the biggest band in metal, Metallica. World exclusive interview. Uh, Yeah, quite pleased with how that turned out. So please do go and read it, pick it up. And thanks for your support. We will see you next week here on the Metal Hammer Show podcast. Metal Hammer Show is a different thing. Shut up. Uh, Cheers very much, everybody. (laughs) We'll see you soon. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye.